All right, welcome to another special podcast edition of White Collar Crimes. I am the host, Ryan Horn. An episode that's been in the making for a long time is going to happen now because we are blessed and honored to have our special guest. This has been a while in the making, but we have Pastor Preston Foster of Christ the King Lutheran Church in DeSoto, Illinois, as our guest. And this is going to be a little bit different than we've had before. This is going to focus on greed from a moral issue of the harm it can cause in a moral state, not just so much the legal state of things. And Pastor, we are very glad to have you aboard. Wonderful to be here. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the invitation. Well, first of all, if he sounds like he's got a good radio voice, I'll say that he does have some background in that to addition to his theological training. But uh, won't you tell us a little bit about both? Well, I uh, was looking for a job and uh, ran across the Zimmer folks, ended up as a uh, daytime radio announcer on KZYM in Cape Girardeau, no longer on the air, a small daytime country western radio station. I, my only claim to fame was during one point in, in that uh, short career, I was on the afternoon up against Rush Limbaugh on KGMO. <laughs> That was probably some pretty fierce competition. Well, uh, Rusty Sharp was also a local legend, but my uh, that led me to Arkansas State, where I got a bachelor of science degree in radio television. And rather than working in radio television, I somehow found an opening into training and motivation and worked that direction with Chrysler Corporation and with Nissan Motor, and then ultimately ended up being moved to Los Angeles by Nissan to manage a corporate closed-circuit TV studio. 1974, when that was cutting edge and way out front, kind of like the internet today. It was, you know, yeah. Deadwood Wild West in that industry. But from there, I went to a seminary in Berkeley, California at Pacific Lutheran Seminary and graduated with a Master of Divinity in 1981. I was ordained into the Lutheran ministry on November 22nd, 1981. Sounds like forever. And uh, came back to the Midwest after graduation. I've been a pastor in Illinois and Indiana and now again in Illinois. Awesome. You know, it's one of the things that we don't always think of a lot of the deadly sins, but it is listed as one of the seven deadly sins. And I found an interesting quote to when preparing for this one from St. Thomas Aquinas, where he said, greed is the denial of things eternal for the sake of worldly things. What would you say? Agree with that statement? I would agree in the sense that I'm going to back up behind Thomas and go straight to the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. The motivation for steal is to get something that somebody else has that I don't have. To say that greed, as some in the, in the high middle ages said, greed as one of the seven sins was basically the cause of all the other sins. I think you're really warned about a lot throughout the Bible. I know, uh, one of my favorite quotes on the subject is where Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world, but still lose his soul? And greed can eat away at a person's soul and cause them to do things they normally would not do. And it can be progressive or additive, if you will. The, the desert fathers, the early Christian mystics, they were talking often about the, the seven deadly sins and that along with those seven sins, they had this, the classic of seven virtues. That not that they were counterbalanced, but the virtues are advocated positively where the sins are obviously, as you said, corrosive. Is it a thing that unfortunately, one that we underestimate, you think, especially here in American culture? I mean, let's face it, we're, we live in a very materialistic society now, very materialistic age. 
is it one that you think not only people in general, but maybe even the church has underestimated as far as how serious this sin can be? One of the uh, classics in terms of, at least in my bailiwick in our backyard with the Lutheran movement within the Western Catholic Church in Europe is that the cause of all of this is a desire that is beyond the desire that God has wired into us. And ultimately, it takes it back to uh, the experience of creation and the garden and the fall of humans from grace with God. A recent meme cartoon, which still uh, rings my bell, is a cartoon picture that shows a woman surrounded by greenery and lush vegetation and a snake. And the speech balloon over the woman says, but God told me if I eat it, I'll die. And the snake says, independent fact checkers have proven <laughs> these words to be yeah. misleading. Yeah. And I would say uh, definitely not independent fact checkers and thinkers have thought that through on there because I think it's just as harmful now as it was at the time of the Garden of Eden. And we have underestimated, I think, that as a society because and I'm not talking about just everyday working, trying to hustle for a dollar and pay bills and that we're all, you know, most of us are unfortunately in that gap, unless you're a trust fund kid or something like that, where you're blessed to not have to work. Unfortunately, work does have to consume a time in our life. And we are commanded to work. It is mentioned, I know in the Bible, I have to remind myself that time that by the sweat of our brow, we will earn our keep. So we have to earn a living. But I think the key that we underestimate or have to look at sometimes is is there a balance that can be struck that it's important to have to work and make a money? And we are in need of a lot of these material things, but is there a balance that can be struck where we can focus in it in a right way, in a positive way without having to be consumed by greed? Again, that Garden of Eden picture of temptation, greed is presented almost always as a positive thing. You, you had that quote, you know, Gordon Gekko. Yes, was that was the next thing I was going to get to. Yeah. The famous movie, Wall Street, Michael Douglas where Gordon Gecko says greed is good. And if you remember, those of you that have been listening to us a while, a while back, we did, Ivan Botsky, we did the actual podcast on the guy who inspired the character of Gordon Gecko. But yes, despite how much it was glamorized in that film, greed is not good. And greed destroys, and anybody, especially those of you that have been listening to this podcast for a while, you see sometimes the harm of white-collar crimes and greed is more harmful than people that are victimized just by common Street criminals. You, Bernie Madoff's a perfect example. Of that Bernie Madoff leveled some people's finances forever, and you know, at the time, and probably still is the largest Ponzi scheme that ever happened in this country's history. Yeah. Motivated 100% only by his own greed, and people lost their livelihoods. Where sometimes somebody might be a victim of a street crime, where somebody breaks in their tool shed and maybe steals some yeah. tools or a lawnmower or something. Sure, they're out and they're harmed but their life's not destroyed for down the future. But these white-collar financial crimes, oftentimes the greed ends up destroying people's lives for far longer. Would you agree? Well, from a pastoral perspective, in terms of conversation with, as you said, mostly ordinary folks, I don't deal with millionaires very often. Yeah. I've never had a big-time lotto winner. I've had some folks who won smaller lottery prizes, and we talked about that. The word that works for greed is more. It's always a desire for more. I One of the authors that I looked at said, more money, more fame, more knowledge, more toilet paper. Yeah, And that's a quote I like, too. I mentioned yeah. when we talked about doing this, one of my favorite quotes about greed and money, when John D. Rockefeller, and I know we have people that listen from other countries on here, he was a famous oil tycoon from basically the, eight, the 19th century through the early 20th century. And if you factor in his wealth at the time, they say he was probably worth over $300 billion. That's with a B that wealthy of a guy and 
built an empire through oil and changed really the whole landscape of the United States. But when he was asked one time, how much money is enough? I always liked that famous quote, one more dollar. So even a guy worth 300 billion will tell you just one more dollar. The counteracting word to more is enough. One of the things that Jesus modeled and talked about was not voluntary poverty, but it was simply a surrender to the reality that we can't handle that much more. If we can draw those lines and say, here is what enough is. If lodging and food and safe water and those other basics of survival and life is enough, we don't get dragged into that never satisfied. And that's kind of the the symptom of greed is that with Rockefeller, that total lack of satisfaction, able to do all the good that was done in all kinds of ways with medicine and with just upgrading society as a whole. America becomes this magnet for poor and downtrodden people from all over the world. And the wealth of the nation helped to absorb that and make a place for everybody. And I think that's important because I think that's so true. Also, people sometimes misconstrue Christianity thinking that in order to be genuine, you've got to be poor and broke. And I don't think that's certainly the case. I look at our Christian commandment is to help others out. And I look at people like, say, in Venezuela and these very destitute socialist countries. Are people in those countries able to practice Christian charity and help people out? Of course not. They are having to eat rats and zoo animals and do anything they can for survival. So therefore, they're not able to even meet a basic Christian principle by helping other people. So I agree that prosperity can be a good thing because it allows people to help other people. Like you said, the United States became this powerhouse where people from all over the world came for a better life because of his efforts and others. And and it can be a good thing. But when do you think it turns from being a good thing to when it goes off the rails and becomes something bad and something negative? When folks talk about Christianity being spiritual, it is also eminently practical, pragmatic. Three of the Ten Commandments are do not steal, Do not covet your neighbor's person and do not covet your neighbor's stuff. Covet meaning to overly desire or to wish or to fall into that more is necessary. More may be good, but there are again those stories of people who had more. John Wesley, the the founder of Methodism in England, had a annual budget where he counted how many pounds he received and how much he gave and what it cost to run his household. And when he was notable and much more famous and had a much larger reach and his income had increased, still his uh, household budget had shrunk because the children were grown and gone. So that extra gave him more to give and more to be grateful for. And that's turning the other side on greed. If you say two sides of the coin, that's facing away from more and saying, if, if I have enough, then what I have left over, God has given me for others that don't have enough. It's a very good way to look at it. And I think another good example of that was, and I don't recall his name at the moment, but the guy that was the founder of Quaker Oats, I read that he was a regular tither paying 10% of his income and he got so blessed and the company grew so much. He had so much to live off of. He was actually doing the reverse opposite of a tither. He was living off the 10% and giving away the 90%. Now, most of us, I know for me, if I gave away 90% of my income, I'd probably be out in a tent out on the street. So not all of us can do that. We're not that blessed. But that is, I think, a good example of that. He had plenty to live off of. God blessed him enough through the 10% that he was able to bless, no telling how many people, through the 90% that he was giving. Well, let me give you a quote here from Adam Smith, who's noted as a foundational thinker in capitalism. 
It is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker that we expect our dinner, but from their regard for their own interest. Yes, we have to be interested in food, clothing, shelter, and survival. Yes. And, but to expect that others are going to easily supply us to satisfy our, perhaps, more rather than enough, the peace of the world, it's seen that way, where those of us who have had the opportunity to travel to other countries and see other societies at work, other cultures at work, to discover that in those places, the idea of more may be viewed as almost an edge on mental illness. There's something wrong with you if you aren't satisfied. You have sunshine and rain, and here we go again with the basic of that Edenic garden. What makes people contented? A lot of it has to do with human will. It's an individual interior life that if we're not satisfied, then that comes out in all sorts of ways. And I think it's important, like you talk about meeting the basics, and the Bible does make it clear we are to work. One of my other favorite quotes from it, I think it says where, if a man doesn't work, he shall not eat. I mean, we have to make that effort, except for clearly those that are physically disabled and unable to do so. But I mean, if everybody out there decided to stop working, our society is going to collapse pretty quickly. We have to do these things. We have to have somewhat of a pursuit for basic needs and some material things. But the key seems to be the balance. We can't let it consume us and overtake us in our thoughts and desires and pursuits. Yeah, well, again, the, uh, the specific teachings that Jesus gave us regarding material things returns it all to the fact that, and this for me is, is a fundamental paradigm. It's a model that we operate with, foundational. And there, here's the question, who owns all of the carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen? I would say God owns that. What do you get if you combine carbon, hydrogen, oxygen in the proper amounts under the proper conditions? You get life. Carbon-based life forms like us on this planet, no speculation beyond the air envelope around the planet Earth. I don't need to speculate about all that. I haven't had that put on my agenda, so it's not my job. But to look at what we have, we have more than we imagine, and sometimes it's just slowing down and taking the Thoreau thing about all things in moderation, including moderation, just take a step back and realize how influenced we are by the culture around us. And I think that's very important, the moderation, because what is one of the other deadly sins talked about? Gluttony. And I think that goes hand in hand with greed, really, because most of the time, and I know uh, I talked about this very early on in the podcast when I gave you kind of a scholarly look at what constitutes a white-collar criminal, the, the background, the the uh, age, race, demographics, income, educational background, work background, one of the key personality traits that researchers have found about white-collar criminals is they have very gluttonous personalities. They're very overindulgent. I mean, anybody that's out there, if you've seen the movie The Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio, which portrays Jordan Belfort, whom we've also done a podcast on this uh, show about, but they live very hedonistic lifestyles, a lot of these white-collar criminals. They are overindulgent in sex with prostitutes, cocaine abuse, things like that, because not only can they not give enough money, they also just are very gluttonous in their way. So would you agree the two kind of go hand in hand, gluttony and greed? Back to saying that that theft, out and out stealing, and coveting are pretty closely related. Yes. That's the biblical language as opposed to economic. I, I have entertained myself for the last 20 years as I've, my participation in the internet is kind of spotty. 
you know, I get onto, I became a Facebook addict for a while back before, before 2010, before this congregation was started as a mission church and brought me out of retirement. But, you know, playing games around on the internet and friends on Facebook and distant cousins and friends from high school from 50 and 60 years ago, pretty kind of a nice thing to go. But I can also just fall off that edge and look at the clock and go, what happened to the last two hours? Yeah. And we're finding more and more that we are on it. Uh, a lot of people now are even starting to suffer a lot of physical harm and things, the carpal tunnel syndromes and other type of issues, because we're spending so much time now on the internet. Everything we do is driven by the internet. And that's, like I said, that is some good things about it. We're able to do this podcast and reach out to an enormous amount of people from around the world that are able to listen to this. And I do a huge amount of my job uh, is done with the internet and I've been able to do a lot of things I certainly would not have been able to do, but yes, there can be some harm. And I also think that's where cybercrime and white collar crime are going to go hand in hand because cybercrimes, the overwhelming majority of them that are committed are for financial reasons. Of course, there is unfortunately some very bad things also that it's going on. It's also used for the trafficking of child pornography and things like that, which remember a couple episodes I did one on human trafficking. If you haven't heard that one, please go back and listen to that. And if you haven't seen the movie Sound of Freedom yet, please get out and check that out while it's still in the theaters because it definitely brings to light a serious subject. And I would dare say that greed is also a number one component behind that very serious and very sick crime, to be honest with you, because they're making tons of money. As was said, it's pointed out in the movie that it's passed up the arms trade and will pass the drug trade for the simple fact of the matter. You can pass a kid or a human around five or 10 times and make some money. Whereas if you sell a bag of cocaine, once it's snorted up, that's it. But unfortunately, it's becoming very profitable and certain amount of population out there that if there's something profitable, they're going to do it regardless of how wrong or immoral it is. Well, one of the things that Christianity and the other major religions on this planet will share is the fact that greed does more harm than good. We can apply places where we can say, okay, the, uh, the human thirst to ask questions, to invent, to explore, to go go and do what has never been done before. Of course, in America, you can put a price tag on that. I mean, people can, Thomas Edison, with a simple thing about being as persistent and I would say single-minded as Edison was when they said, you had how many failures? He said, I didn't have any failures at all. I had 10,000 opportunities to learn how not to make a yeah, light bulb. exactly. I remember yeah. that quote. You see how I learned the, it. The idea that, but then Edison becomes General Electric, becomes America has this way with capitalism of multiplying wealth doesn't necessarily mean that things are necessarily better, but we have this, as I said, we have our own individual view of the world, our experience and the genetics that we inherited and the culture that was here before we were ever thought of. And that's the story of the human race from the beginning until now, learning to cope with all this stuff. And in cases where people have been less greedy there are some very hopeful things that happen, but most, in, at least in the United States, most of the simple communities didn't reproduce. They didn't you know, become a movement. And yet in modern time, I'm getting a lot of interest out of studying and looking at the communities that are based in the Reformation as what we would refer to as Amish or Mennonites, right. that these folks have a faith and a worldview that is absolutely matched by their daily behavior and their lifestyle. They are not going to let their children get sucked into TV commercials and cartoons. And that's not a bad thing. Right. Feeding controlled amounts of information and data to humans is as old as writing and reading. 
you know, when there are things that are bad for people, you don't feed that to your children. Sure. We've been sold so much and I'm a product of remembering network radio in my early childhood, right after World War II, the wonder of sitting in my grandparents' living room and listening to the Lone Ranger over that radio set and listening to all of the other things that went along with that. I still have a fascination and a fun about listening to baseball games over the radio rather than watching them on a 60-inch television and it's screen. It's the same as I because uh, we didn't have cable a lot when I was a kid and the Cardinals were not on TV very often. The only time they were on when I was growing up is when they played the Cubs because they said that way they knew it was going to sell out and they wouldn't have to worry about blackouts or anything like that. So I did as well. I grew up listening to the Cardinals on KMOX every night. That's how I caught the Cardinals uh, and that's KMOX in St. Louis. For those of you not familiar, it's a very big AM station in St. Louis and goes throughout the Midwest. In fact, my wife, her uncle, is in, born and raised in South Dakota, still there. He used to listen to the Cardinals all the way out in South Dakota. It was called the blowtorch of the Midwest at the time that station yeah. was. And it's a powerful medium, but like you said, like anything else, these mediums can and are abused a lot of times. Well, and again, no one could have guessed, even imagined, thirty other than maybe a Jules Verne type, imagined the internet 30 years ago. It was the beginnings of live computer connection between university campuses that someone said, you know, we could make some money with this if we do it right. And as you said, child pornography and other greed-based avenues toward toward making money off of it have, I don't know where the dollars are now, but the, the overwhelming amount of money generated by internet and com internet communication is not for what we would in the church call uh, faithful or moral issues. There's an awful lot of other stuff we haven't even touched on. But again, this is human beings. We are in a fallen state. We need to be reminded of the fact often that we are broke and we need to be able to admit that we're broke and find a higher power that can lead us toward sanity. And that's something that kind of leads me to the next question I had for what do you think are some of the warning signs that people need to look out for that maybe I'm falling a little... Uh pray to greed or materialism and a point to where I don't want to go down that rabbit hole any further. What yeah. are some warning signs you would say people should look out for? I've had this circling around in my head before this conversation started is one of those things that I just absolutely love is the survey on the internet. It's always one through five from not to absolute and in gray in between or shades of gray with any topic you could possibly imagine. One of these that I dug out, this was sourced from psychology today just several years ago to understand your own greed level. It says, answer the dispositional greed scale, DGS. We've got to have acronyms. You know, we can't live without acronyms. Of course. So the DGS, the dis dispositional greed scale. Greed is related to, but is distinct from materialism. So look at these questions through your own personal behavioral triggers, all right? On a scale of one to five, you strongly disagree or you strongly agree. One, I always want more. There's greed right there. More. Two, one can never have too much money. I could quote all kinds of historical places where too much money is the tipping point for evil. Three, as soon as I have acquired something, I start to think about the next thing I want. From that comes the marketability of, I, with a, a daughter who's now in her 20s. I'm, now, I'm a grandparent 
for the first yes, time. Congratulations on at, that, by at the way. age 76. I'm marveling at God's sense of humor <laughs> with this. Yeah. But as soon as I've acquired something, I start to think about the next thing I want. I hear this conversation and says, yeah, well, we got the PlayStation 6, but man, we can't wait for that PlayStation 7.1 because it's going to have this and that conditioned, trained response toward consuming more stuff that leads back to it. Number four, it doesn't matter how much I have, I'm never completely satisfied. Five, my life motto is more is better. Six, I can't imagine having too many things. Seven, actually, I'm kind of greedy. So it gets to where somebody even will finally maybe even acknowledge that. Yeah, well, again, the survey form is with the internet, it's all anonymous. I mean, the other side of this podcast is you can listen to it and you're not under any obligation culturally or morally or otherwise to do anything other than just listen. But if those things trigger conversational stuff, you can talk to the folks in your life about how these ideas affect their world paradigm, the model that they build their world on. Well, you know, it's only 57 miles an hour. If we're going to say the speed limit is 55, then 57 is a violation. It's breaking the law. And that's the reason why the law, in fact, is a rigid, unmovable thing. All the way back to the Ten Commandments, all the way back to the garden. God says, here's the one thing yeah, you cannot one. do. Anything you can think of, but you cannot eat this. And the snake says, independent fact checkers <laughs> have checked these words and found them to be misleading. Oh, dear. But answering those questions and dividing by seven and you get your, it was noted that American and Dutch participants, a psychologist found that people scored an average of 3.87 out of five on these seven questions. And what does it mean if you scored higher than you expected? Is any of this stuff a surprise to somebody who's listening? I'd like to know. Yeah, it shouldn't be. And again, I think it just goes back to the quote I like from John D. Rockefeller, one more dollar. It just seems like that's a good sign to know. If, as you said this a little bit ago, if you have all these things and you're doing quite well and there's still a one or more then maybe it's a problem. And I think we see very clearly throughout societal examples that it's not fulfilling. Just on the example of how many rich celebrities we see that turn to substance abuse and in very severe cases and sad cases, even suicide. People always, when this happens, are like, wow, how'd this happen? This person had everything. So why did they do that? Because they say really a lot of times there's more of these problems among the haves than the have-nots. Have-nots don't have the time or the opportunity to have an insatiable thirst for things. But back to that initial definition that greed is an insatiable thirst or selfish desire for more, always more. I substitute the thought that enough because I see this, that the numbers that used to be published before there was an internet said that when it came to average amounts of giving to charitable causes, this includes churches, world hunger, literacy, whatever you want to choose as a nonprofit type of cause that people contribute to, that contributions across the board, at least in Western Europe and the United States, people of modest or average income had a much higher percentage contribution rate than people of vast income. Yes. So you have vast income, you set up a foundation to isolate yourself from taxes and hassles and phone calls in the night and all that sort of thing. But it could also insulate you from your conscience saying, how much of this that we have is really going for the good of others? If we had a more generous society, I would contend that we'd have a more peaceful world. But stay tuned for the next expiring episode on that. And it's just, in addition to falling out with favor of God, it also puts one at risk 
for criminal offending. That's the whole existence of this podcast. Again, that's something I do this podcast because of something that fascinated me when I was doing my graduate studies. I ended up doing my thesis on white collar crime, and it was something that really fascinated me because I didn't realize it was just as widespread as it was. I had always in my career and experience in education, knew plenty about common street criminals, but I didn't really realize how vastly spread out this is and how sometimes not all of the ones that commit white collar and financial crimes, they're not always the rich business executives. Sometimes people get caught up just normal middle class folks. And actually the majority of your white collar offenders are not wealthy at the time when they commit these crimes. They're more of a middle-class background. In addition, as I said, causing someone spiritually maybe to fall out of favor with God, it also puts them at risk of criminal offending. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we say around here a lot is keep the main thing, the main thing. Stephen Covey wrote about this, I'm going to say probably 30 to 40 years ago, that doing an exercise in greedy, Okay, as Covey was talking about leadership, that doing an exercise won't determine with absolute certainty and for all eternity what the main things are for every possible situation, but get you thinking about the fact that life is fluid and things change. And some people who were absolutely solidly honest when their circumstances change begin to watch their moral values, if you will, or their boundaries corrode under that kind of pressure. If we have to have a new car, if we have to have a 70-inch TV. The phrase in my childhood was keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, and that's still out there now, I think. Yeah. That, that, that idea of keeping up with somebody else as to what someone else thinks. The reason that Scripture condemns greed is because greed is contrary to the purposes of God. Because God's love for His creation, specifically His love for human beings, is not going to go away. And if that scratches, stretches, or pinches now and then, then so be it. But that God's fundamental orientation, the scriptures say simply, God is love. And greed makes love hard to transmit and hard to receive. Absolutely. So any thoughts, ideas out there for the listeners on how we can even stand guard against it and make sure that we don't fall victim to this? Because honestly, I think it could happen to just about anybody if you're not careful. Again, a measure of, well, is this kind of greed or that kind of greed? Let's just put up that equation. More does not equal enough. And on the other hand, enough may in fact be more than more, depending upon the way that we apply that. And I think we have to realize that even though going back like to the Gordon Gecko quote, it, it's glamorized some in situations like that and movies like that, but I don't think we can even measure the amount of harm it's done to society. America is a fairly young country compared to most of the rest of the world, but I think it's certainly had horrible impacts at times on our society. And it's, uh, it's something that, again, I think we don't take notice of like we should. I know I point this out all the time on here that white collar crimes don't get near the media attention or anything that just common street crimes do, even though they are quite common. And as I often point out, the victims of these crimes are often left in far worse condition than a lot of people who are street crime victims. Have we underestimated greed, do you think? Well, I think that we have maybe undercommunicated greed. I'll simply put this into take a step back and look over the fence into somebody else's backyard, which is the way I approach counseling. I can tell people what I see and what I hear but I can't say what it means to them internally without knowing them very, very well. And over the last three years, the numbers show me that through the internet and through other forms of communication, that massive trust and ordinary just letting it go of 
government systems and business systems and the medical industry and all of these other things, that level of trust in America in some parts of our population has dropped drastically. So you ask about what do we do to prevent greed? I'll just take you back to the Old Testament. The word says this in the writing of the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You will discover in working to do that, that we can't do it on our own, but God provides us ways to refocus and increase our love for God, which strangely enough increases our ability and our strength to love more of God's creation. Therefore, what can we do to prevent greed? One of the things is to recognize it and call it what it is. It's a deadly sin and to avoid it at all costs and to get help where necessary. Find somebody who has had a greed problem and has overcome it and find out what worked for them. Team up, get yoked together and work on it. That's good advice. And hopefully somebody out there, if they are facing that problem, you're able to do that and to reach out and, and address that issue. Because as we've seen over and over on here, it's led sometimes to people ended up going to prison. And in real extreme cases, it's even led to death. And uh, that's something that uh, we hope anybody out there can avoid because, uh, it is a spiritual issue as well as, you know, we focus on this podcast about it being mostly a, from the criminal side of things. But sometimes I think it's good, like we're doing here, just to kind of step back and look and say, you know, there's a uh, moral, spiritual side to this as well that has to be addressed. Yeah. Well, again, that picture of greed gone too far. Yeah, there may be something good about greed in the sense of wanting something better for my family. Sure. Wanting more for my children than I have, a better education, a better life. But more stuff doesn't necessarily equal a better life. As you have pointed out, we get that because people who have all the stuff in the world may still have a failure when it comes to simply living life. Yes, and sometimes that pursuit of wealth, as we've seen too on here, it costs marriages, breaks up homes, causes falling out relationships with children and, and all those things, and no amount of wealth is worth it for that. What I hope people will keep into perspective, and I think, again, it's okay to pursue material things. We have to have a home. We have to have shelter. We have to have water, all these basic needs. And it's good to have even a little extra money for leisure and entertainment because most of us are blessed to where we can do those things. Those things are good. It's good to kind of have that to keep your mind clear and relieving stress and things like that. But I think we have to be very careful because we can kind of really teeter on the edge of falling over and then becoming consumed by it. And that's where the problems start arising. Well, the whole idea there, I, another reading from the psychology literature that I did just for kind of getting the, the focus for this podcast is a thing that's called the dictator game, which I'd not heard of before. Mm -mm. The dictator game is where participants receive $10 and they have to decide how to distribute it between themselves and another participant with no negative consequences, even if they kept the full amount. So as the greed is as as the greed is played out, the game is played out on the average, and this I'm presuming would be an American somewhat educated audience. On the average, people kept six dollars and thirty one cents. But as their scores rose, the amount that they gave to others obviously declined because there's an absolute limit of ten dollars here. So the conclusion was that greed prevents us from giving, but it doesn't necessarily lead us to taking. And that said, the only victim of greed that this doctor identified in her research is that greed hurts the greedy. Hmm. The higher your score 
it's hand in hand with a lower level of satisfaction with life in general. Well, good advice. Would uh, would love to have you on again down the road. Would you be willing to come join us again sometime? I think this yeah. has been very educational for the listeners out there. Ryan, I'm enjoying the conversation because it, it put me back into that grad school focus of what's the main thing here? What are we trying to achieve? Everybody knows what greed is, but it's always that other guy because as my Mima said, when she had a PhD in practical. When I was a little kid, she said, remember anytime you point that pointer finger at somebody else, you're pointing three back at yourself. <laughs> and yep. looking at greed from that standpoint is to say the main thing here is to realize that everything that I have is on loan from God. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. Absolutely good advice. Well, we do thank you, sir, for being a part of this and joining us. We thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Did have another good announcement I've been talking about for a while. My book from Cherry, audio book narrated for Cherry Hills Publication, The Howard Hawks Story, is now out. It's available for libraries to purchase, but here in the next few weeks, it will finally be available for you, the general public, to purchase. Kind of like this podcast here's episode has been in the works for a while. That has, I know as well, but I'll have more information on that. You can check out my website on things. If you are in need of voiceover service, you can definitely check me at ryan-horn.com. If you have an idea for the podcast or you want to be a guest, which we've had people contact me for both, email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com. Please like our Facebook page. We keep updates on the podcast. And as I also ask, like us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're hearing us. Give us the good five-star rating to keep this going. Please watch out for your friends and family. They are oftentimes the victims of these types of crimes. And I always encourage you to check out your local pet shelter. Uh, wife and I do that frequently, but this time we have a new member of the family. A friend of ours that adopted one we fostered years ago has now fallen ill and is unable to care for the dog. So we now have four dogs and two cats in our home that all from some type of rescue effort like that. So please get involved in that way if you can. And a lot of good advice today. Pastor, we certainly thank you for this. Hopefully everybody listening can take that to heart and really grow from it. I know I learned a lot of things myself from this. Definitely thank you again for being aboard, and hopefully you'll be able to join us again here very soon. Thank you for the invitation, Ryan. Well, we will see you again next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. God bless and take care, everybody. We will see you next time.